and welcome to the Get French Football News Players podcast with me, Lewis McParlane. In today's episode, we'll be chatting all things Dimitri Payet with his past, present and future all going to be under the microscope. Today, I've got with me Mr. Mo Ali to deliver the knockout answers. Mo, sir, how are we today? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Very, very well, very, very well. It's very sunny in uh, Scotland for once, you know, we've actually been enjoying it these last yeah, few weeks. Just sitting down here, it's so. just been, well, it's been taunting us over the last three weeks. It's been pretty bizarre. All my neighbours are like frowning at the sky, like, come on, it's not even May yet and you're already putting up sun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so like I said, we're going to be chatting all things pie. So let's get a little bit of perspective on his career so far. Born on the island of Réunion in 1987, Paye played much of his youth football on the island, even being described as a player that really stood out amongst the other boys, despite being a lot smaller than the other kids. Then, age 12, he went to Le Havre on mainland France, before returning to Réunion to play for Excelsior, where he made his professional debut for the senior team aged 17 having a stellar season, scoring 12 goals before his move to Nantes. This led to transfers from there to Saint-Étienne, following Nantes' relegation, where he then played there, and then at Lille, and then at Marseille. Now, following this, Paye made his first move abroad since his time in Réunion to England, as he joined West Ham for £10 million. And and this is where we're going to start, because I feel definitely for a British audience, at least... um, this is where Paye kind of came onto the map for a lot of people that only watch Premier League football. I know that, well, you'll know this indeed, that his time at West Ham was kind of viewed on with a, a lot of controversy. Like, he, he won a Player of the Year award, uh, and they had, like, a mural put up on the side of the stadium that then had to get ripped down in case, <laughs> because they were scared that fans were going to come and, and deface it with graffiti and whatnot. Generally, how about you just tell us what happened during his time at West Ham, and why is it looked back upon with so much controversy? Well, I think, you know, the main point of controversy comes from the fact that he did so well over the 15-16 season. Um, I think that probably the best or second best, depending on which angle you're coming from, uh, season of his career. So, you know, having done so well in the West Ham, you know, flying relatively high in the Premier League and him being shelled um, uh, off, you know, with praise from from the supporters, but also um, West Ham ownership and directors, and the fact that they made um, overtures to get him to sign a very lucrative um, five-year contract in the summer of 2016, they knew that either pipe would stay and help propel West Ham to new fortunes, specifically you know, after the opening of the London Stadium in 2016, um, or that. Um, after Euro 2016, which Payet was obviously a very key player in, that they would sell him on for, for big money and then obviously West Ham would reap those rewards one way or another. Now, six months after that relative high sort of communion uh, between West Ham and Demetri Payet was all over. Um, not only was the 2016-17 season not really uh, prolific by any means for, for Payet, but then come Christmas, um, it was a very innocuous um in television interview uh, that Payet gave, I think it was to be in sport, but it was definitely a French media outlet where he was asked about his time at Marseille and it's sort of if he had any regrets or, or what sort does the future hold. And he sort of started hinting about his, you know, uh, slight uneasiness 
at West Ham in London, etc. And then you know, also sort of a New Year's explosive um, front page, and they keep saying that actually he, he wants to go, and, and Marseille are the front runners, and that sort of perplexed everybody at West Ham. It's like you know this guy is going to go. He's our best player. He's been our best player for God knows how long. If he's going to go, why Marseille? You know, why can't he go to Barcelona, Chelsea, all these teams that he's been linked with? Um, you know, after a very, very stellar season where he was you know, top of the charts in, in, in sort of key chances, which he, he still was by far the more, most creative player in that West Ham team. Um, and then across your know, very, very favorable stats alongside the likes of Messi, De Bruyne, Fabregas, um, etc. So then, you know, West Ham's you know, clear asset now angling for a move to Marseille, which West Ham probably at the time felt that they were head and shoulders above. And they knew that obviously the buying power of Marseille was not going to match anything like, um, um, you know, the top European clubs. So the reason why it was controversial is because they felt they were really in between a rock and a hard place. So about to lose their best asset, um, who was pulling a strop and refusing sort of to train, which is something as we'll discuss later on, something he's pulled. Um, a couple of times over his career, um, and suddenly, you know, it's, it's gone from being in happy marriage to a rather acrimonious divorce, really at the blink of an eye. So it really sullied a fantastic sort of playing career that he had in London. And, and like you said, when he was at West Ham, he had a, a few stellar years, and, and at least in terms of stats, he was really up there with the best. So you'd imagine, like you said, he would have. Is, is the pick of the clubs that he could have gone to. So why did he go back to Marseille, a, a team that at the time wasn't really at the, the top of their powers? Why would he have gone back to that team as opposed to a, a top team in Spain or or, or a tit- Italy or Germany? Um, that's a good question. I think the cynic in me suggests that perhaps the, the interest in him was a bit overblown and manufactured, and I don't think there was sort of severe sort of market interest in the way that some outlets were reporting in the summer of 26, 27, I'm sure, you know, they, uh, they would have loved to have a, a very creative player, but really Pai at the time was what, already 29, uh, or, or about to turn 29. Um, you, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd done it for, for a mid-table Premier League club, having been moderately successful in France, having sort of won a trophy. You know, how would he fare, you know, in the, in the later stage of the Champions League? You know, who's going to sign him only for big money, but then for big salaries? I mean, you know, no one's really going to offer him a five-year contract at Barcelona at the age of 29. Um, so I, I think, first of all, the, the interest was overblown, um, out on one hand. And secondly, I think the connection he had with, with Marseille, not only, I think, did he have, struggle in London? That was absolutely true. I think there were very horrible rumors at the time suggesting sort of some sort of infidelity or some family issues that drove his return back to Marseille, which is absolutely not true. But the the underlying aspect was that, A, you know, London did not appeal to him and that he wasn't enjoying himself in London, um, which which is fair enough. I think that's something that many players have, have spoken about, the idea that they find it very hard to settle um, in, Eng- in England if you're not really an English speaker or have that sort of global mindset. Um, so Marseille, a team that obviously he'd been with, uh, he'd been at for, for three seasons, made perfect sense. And secondly, it was on paper, Marseille were looking to be better than West Ham. Um, and I think this is something that particularly West Ham fans, but I think other sort of football fans with, with a passing interest in sort of the global uh, landscape 
uh, fail to understand is that Marseille are actually you know, overall a bigger club than I stand. They're a club that has participated in the Champions League regularly, a club that you know, has produced and owned some of the best players in history, a fantastic stadium, some great infrastructure, amazing support, you know, etc., etc. Just because they were in hard times does not mean, you know, that they um, that they, they should be taken out of the equation. I mean, case mm. in point, AC Milan has struggled for several years. Does not mean that Tottenham Hotspur is suddenly a, a more um, a, a, a better destination. You know, AC Milan still retain many of the aspects that make them a, a fantastic uh, football club. But worldwide of support, you know, great players, great infrastructure, a lot of history, etc. Um, so that's what some people fail to calculate. Um, secondly, and I think you know what Pyatt loves is ambition. I think that's you know really dictated all of his moves, um, all of his moves so far that we'll discuss in a bit. Um, and Marseille in January 27 had just concluded uh, a sale to Frank McCourt, who who's an American businessman, you know, net worth of around about a billion dollars, um, former owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and the January transfer market was his first transfer market um, at the head of Marseille. So he wanted to obviously make a splash, you know, get back a fan favourite who was on top of his powers. You know, there were a lot of rumours had been flying around the transfer market um, for that year. You know, like Olivier Giroud was another high-profile transfer target. Um, so securing Pai, who wanted to come back to Marseille, was one of the more attainable targets, particularly at that time of the year where it wasn't summer market. Um, and and thirdly, you know, this was just confirming a trend that several players returned back to Marseille instead of Steve Mandanda left Crystal Palace to go back, Florian Tovang left Newcastle to go back, um, at a lesser stage you had Rod Fanny, who was flailing in um, the championship with Charlton Athletic. He, he came back for a while that uh, the, the season before. Um, and these players were mainly sold in the, um, in Mandana's case, it was 2016, but the rest of them were sold at the end of the very successful 2015 season with Marcelo Bielsa, where Marseille were in dire financial straits with an owner that did not want to put money in. So you got the impression that these players didn't actually want to leave in the first place, which is, which underlines why West Ham got in for a cheap price that they did, it was £10.7 million in 2015. Uh, because the finances sort of dictated it, but these players were just shunted on because there was no other alternative. And yet, when the opportunity presented themselves, uh, presented itself to for them to come back, they they took it with both hands. Um, so, in the wider context, it's actually not that surprising that he picked um, to return to Marseille. Well, I'm not gonna lie, I had a bit of a heart palpitation there when you reminded me that Stephen Dando went to Crystal Palace for a year. Jesus, <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Well, it was there for like one season I or think something. he has as well, yeah. One um, season, Emily, right, I'm going straight exactly. back. And, and, and I've preferred Wayne Hennessy to, to Mandanda, which I find always surprising. But again, you know, Mandanda was the same as Tottenham. Didn't really, didn't really make an effort in, in England, you know, didn't really like the Premier League. You know, in France, these guys were legends, living legends, you know, uh, you know almost to the point where they had the key to the city. And in England... They were fighting um, for third uh, yeah, place on the bench, um, you know, at mid-tier Premier League clubs where nobody yeah. really knew them, nobody really cared, etc. 
you go for Europa League, Champions League to a relegation battle. It's you know it's, it's not exactly their style. Um, so so since his return to Marseille, like you said, he was kind of a, a big buy in the early days of, of Frank McCourt and his time as owner. How's that return gone? Do you say? Do you think it's gone as well as everyone hoped it would? Um, it's a difficult question because um, it's it's is that there, there have been peaks and troughs. Um, I think overall people can I think can say that it's been a, it's been a success. He's now been back for for three years um, over over the course of 16, 17, 17, 18, over four four seasons um, now. So times times obviously flown. Um, when he did come back, I mean after the euphoria, there wasn't really um, you know people hadn't really wanted him to come back in the end. After you know the fact that they you know splashed that sort of cash to show that Marseille was back. You know, they probably made the second most important signing that winter in the whole of Europe. Um, after after Julian Draxler's moved to to Paris, um, you know, like people were like, oh, we really spent you know half our transfer budget on a thirty, well, soon to be thirty year old. You know, can he do the same? He's obviously gained a little bit of weight this season, etc. And really, I think for the rest of the 2016-17 season, he wasn't. The same player that he was the year before in West Ham, where he was ripping up the Premier League and you know providing the sort of form that enabled him to win you know, Player of the Year um, at, at West Ham, but also a shortlisted for the PFA award. Um, but at Marseille itself, were in a transitional phase. They finished fifth, having having you know been thirteenth the year before. They finished fifth and qualified for the Europa League. Now, the year after 17-18 season. Um, Pyatt really exploded into form and this is where sort of the idea where he sort of picks up for for uh, you know an international year for a tournament that's upcoming he, he picks his moments so actually it's been a fairly insipid start to the 17-18 season but in the last um, sort of five months particularly after Christmas um, where people were sort of Thinking about you know who would make the final 23 for the for the World Cup squad. This was Pyatt who was you know after Griezmann and probably France's best player at the Euros in, in 2016. Um, and he people he wasn't in the conversation to to make that squad. But Marseille was still you know pushing for the Champions League. They were in the Europa League. Um, they were they were fighting for at least one of the domestic cups. And so he turned on the taps. He had an incredible. Um, Season in 1718, um, where he led Marseille to, to the Europa League final and had uh, the most, you know, some of them, some of the highest assist totals and sort of key chances and most chances created uh, statistics in Europe. Um, it was six goals and 13 assists in the um, 10 goals and 23 assists in 47 games. It was remarkable form. You know, he was a catalyst for the 5-2 win against Leipzig, which I think was the best. Um, um, the best individual performance um, in his career, perhaps, and was absolutely amazing. And again, you know, in, in 15 short months, he went from West Ham reject to captain of his side in in the Europa League final, which is exactly, you know, you know, felt that his move was absolutely vindicated because Marseille were going places and, and West Ham weren't. Um, and it was all going absolutely swimmingly, even though, as we know, uh, despite that, you know, you know, things sort of fell apart a little bit in that he missed the, the World Cup. 
because of an injury sustained in the final. Marseille belonged to lose at final and also went on to fail to qualify for the Champions League by one point. Um, so it was just absolutely galling. I saw all that work, all that belated work that he made to, to, you know, make up the deficit and push himself into, uh, Didier Deschamps' plans. Yeah, I think he would have gone had he stayed fit for sure because Deschamps had, uh, delayed the, um, the announcement of the France squad in 2018 for the World Cup by one day to just, um, to ensure, to, you know, basically to survey the Marseille players in that final. Um, it had been due on the same day, but of course, because of the final, because, you know, several French players were going to, or candidates were playing for both teams in that, in that match, um, it, it was delayed. Um, in the end, his teammate Florian Tolvan was the beneficiary of that. He went on to go to the World Cup and, and play, um, and become world champion. Had to get that world champion, uh, well in yeah. there. <laughs> yes. It- how would you how would you sum up his uh, relationship with the French national team now? Uh, like you said, he made a lot of appearances in 2016, 17 appearances, but he's not played since 2018. Do, do you see any return to the national setup happening in the future, or do you think his opportunity's gone? Well, actually, I mean, this is this is a sort of a continuation of your previous question, which I'll touch on for, for this point. Um, last year was a complete write-off, and I think that contributed to the fact that he hasn't played for France in 2018. So, you know, last season, because of all that effort, you know, he's, he watched his teammates go on to become world champions and now he's got nothing really to play for. Uh, Marseille missed out on the, on, on the Champions League. So it was just a really barren year and a, a chaotic, you know, crisis here for Marseille overall because uh, they racked up deep, you know, deep losses. They failed to qualify again. They finished fifth. Pyatt wasn't instrumental whatsoever. Um, from going double figures um, in goals and assists, I think his total last year was just six goals and eight assists overall, uh, more than a 50% decline. Um, and he fell out with Rudy Garcia and ultimately stripped of the captain's armband, which was given back to Mandanda. So, yeah, he really had nothing to work for. And then again, this year, the 1920 season, you know, a world, a European championship was on the horizon. Um, his last chance, you know, having turned 33 last month, his last chance, and lo and behold, you know, Marcia second in Liga, he, he's been an absolutely fantastic catalyst. They've not been without Tovan all year. Um, and suddenly, um, you know, there are op-eds in the French media, should Pyatt get looking in, in for, for 2020? Um, and I think because you've got so many players um, for France, and you've got Coman, Dembele, you've got Fakir, like you also been, I've got Tovan, you've got Martial, um, Mbappe and Griezmann can also both play alongside the wings. Um, and then you've got some of the sort of younger pretenders to the, to that throne. There's a, a massive glut of attacking talent in the France national team. So why should a 32-33 or a Pyatt be included? Now last year the decision was very easy to make because he was nowhere near his best. Now this year, you've got both Coman and Dembele with injury problems. Tovan hasn't played at all. Martial um, has probably been um, sort of staking a claim, you know, with some good form from Manchester United, but has been overlooked by um, Deschamps even at the best of times. Um, you know, now there's an injury crisis. Perhaps Payet, who's absolutely been one of the best players in the league on this season, can get in. And he offers something different. He's not just your, you know, your, your standard winger. He's a man that's very, very comfortable in a number 10 role. So that's you know another option for France to have on the bench should they require it. Um, so yeah, I think 
it's just to bookend your your question. It it's you know the, the arguments that he hasn't of why he hasn't taken the France squad are very easy to make. Um, but obviously pre coronavirus times with the European Championship coming, I think he was definitely odds on to to make the squad again. But do you think because of all the coronavirus stuff, that'll kind of, uh, you know, he'll be, no, he'll be a year I, older I, by that I com- think, yeah, time? Yeah, I think by that comes. point, I think by that point that ship has sailed, which is very unfortunately he, he missed the World Cup um, in sort of acrimonious circumstances. But that ship would now have been sailed because, you know, you know, he would be 34 and there's no guarantee his form can last for another 12 months. Um you know, Dembele would be back, Kumail would be back, you know, hopefully by the time the Euros are played, the bulk of the 2021 season will, will have been played. So it gives us an opportunity for, for younger players to come back into the squad. Um, the ones that haven't performed that well, it's given them really a get out of jail card. And I think Payet will be the main loser of that because, you know, does he have the heart to, to, you know, if, if critics of the fact that he only turns up in that fashion, he has a correct, does he have the heart to extend that? You know, for fifteen for 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 fifteen more months. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I want I want to touch on something you just mentioned there. For those who don't know, there's a joke that kind of goes around regarding Pai saying he only turns up in the years preceding at like international events, you know, World Cups, European Championships. Do you think there's any truth to that? I mean, there, there was supposed to be a, a, a tournament this summer. Pai or uh, Marseille are doing amazing. Do you think there's any truth to I, that? I think, I think, I think, I, I personally don't agree with that. I think it's a, a sort of a lazy, um, observation, um, mostly done by people that don't really watch Marseille or, or just look <laughs> for the statistics. I mean, I think he's, he's a maverick, um, and he's, he's sort of the sort of mercurial, mercurial player where you, you have, you have to give a special kind of, um, attention to them you know you've had several players who are a bit moody are very difficult to sort of cajole into good performances etc and Pi is one of them Ben Arthur is another one um, and when all the conditions are right when the clubs are ambitious where the playing team around them are you know it's, it's relatively decent you know if, if all the lights are green they will come out of their show and they will perform to their best and I think in each of the years that um you know, just it's not just about Marseille, it goes back to his time at Lille, etc. When all the lights are green and the clubs are in a good place and Pai himself in a good place, he will perform. So, you know, his, his, his final season at Sanetien, you know, the club had, had finished, you know, a record high position. Um, he was the linchpin of that club. He scored, I think, 13 goals and Vigan moved to Lille, struggled at Lille the first year, but when Hazard was sold and he was made the, the core focus of that team, he excelled again, you know, did well in the Champions League. Um, you know, Lille qualified again, sold to Marseille. You know, Marseille under Bielsa, um, he was, he was fantastic. Picked West Ham in interest. At West Ham, it was his first season in England. West Ham were riding high, you know, the people were looking at this player and who knows how many doors have opened. He performed well again. And then the seasons that he, that, you know, where there had been back, you know, back group issues or loss of, you know, motivation, you know, conversely, he does poorly. So I think it's, 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 it's perhaps one of the reasons. I think, you know, he's, he's an ambitious person. I think getting into the France team or, or moving into like a, a new league with a new team and trying to, you know, move on, um, in his career prospects, that makes, you know, that's part of the package when it comes to ambition and therefore he plays as such. Um, and I think, you know, some of the, 
you know, best talents in the world are like this. They pick their moments. If you had to describe Paye to someone who'd never seen the player, how would you describe him? What would you say are his real strengths and weaknesses as a player on and off the pitch? First of all, I think when he's really on it, I think he's absolutely world class. His sort of attacking, you know, creativity, the way he plays with his back to goal, the way he, you know, sort of creates chances out of nothing is really, you know, lo and behold, it's, it's, it's fantastic viewing. Um, and I think obviously, you know, people are obviously blessed with players like De Bruyne and Messi playing at the very, very top of European football. And while Marseille are not there, Yet, um, to have that sort of creative wisdom that, you know, a player that really has a high level of football intelligence at a somewhat lower level is really rewarding for people that watch him week in, week out. You know, he's, while he's very adept in the wing, you know, as a number 10, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, he's got insanely high chances created numbers. I mean, his three balls and sort of final passes really out as well. There are some that, you know, like some passes, um, that he makes that really are, Absolutely fantastic, and scores a high level of exquisite goals as well. His goals against Gangholm Strasbourg over the last two years have been fantastic. His ball for Bundesliga in the European League against Leipzig, where he had sort of no, you know, no, no place making that pass, and it was pulled off really, really well. It's absolutely fantastic when he's when he's on it. Um, but again, it goes back to motivation, ambitions, such as when when he is motivated, he's like a man reborn. And at times where, you know, he's not on it, like most of last season and he's finally at West Ham, it feels like lugging, you know, a plank of wood um, in the final third. It's just, you know, everything just falls apart. Do you think he is almost like a part of a, a dying breed of players at this, at this point? You know, you don't see too many guys playing or at least Absolutely. doing well in that number 10 role. Do, do you know what I mean? Not a lot of players. Yeah, I agree. That- I, think, I think it's just... Elegance. So I think it's elegance, football artistry, intelligence. You know, it's the players that you sort of watch sort of YouTube highlights for and the players <laughs> that have that high level of IQ, footballing IQ, where they're able to make the killer pass, where they're able to register where their, where their sort of team members are, even when they're marked in very sort of tight spots. You know, now we're talking about, and I think this is a conversation actually was happening a couple of days ago, you know, we're into a new phase of football. And I say new, it's probably been around for the last three, four years where you know, data plays a big part, XG plays a big part, you know, tactics and sort of, we're in sort of a period of mechanical football and those players in number 10, which really are sort of, you know, conducting an orchestra, um, sort of with their feet, you know, they're doing absolutely crazy things. They have a mastery of the ball and mastery and great reading of the game. I think that sort of um, is dying out um, and I think Pi absolutely belongs to them because you have to look at some of the statistics that you've got if you are a data person you know some of the numbers is um, absolutely incredible I think he still leads or, or it might have been a while back now but he still led West Ham chances created even though he left three years ago because <laughs> none of the players <laughs> none of the players are that creative <laughs> so um, it's, it's absolutely remarkable um, player but again you know, he's not a highly consistent player. I think that's his biggest weakness. You know, you know, fortunately, when he is consistent, it lasts for a very long time. It's not for a game or two. It can be for for several, you know, for several weeks or months. You know, in 2018, it was from end of January till right to the end of the season. For now, it's been since November, since you know, um, 
since Rudy Garcia, you know, he, he was sort of eyeing up Rudy Garcia, who left Marseille to become the Lyon coach, and Marseille had been playing Lyon that weekend. He sort of let go in a press conference saying, you know, this guy was absolutely awful last year. I, I actually hated him. Didn't like <laughs> him. And, you know, you think it would backfire, but he came and produced the goods, was scoring two goals, and Marseille ended up winning the match. When he put in a man for match performance, so he, you know, talks the talk and can walk the walk, which is great for him. What's his relationship like with Villas Boas? How's how's that um, gone since the Portuguese has come to the club? He's 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 he's, he's spoken very eloquently about Villas Boas. He's you know he talks of a coach that really understands his players, that takes responsibility, and I think where he talks positively about Villas Boas, it really has negative connotations about Rudy Garcia. Um, who he feels sort of lumped him with the captain's armband. You know, Rudy Garcia gave him the Marseille armband in, in, in 2017 and he felt that sort of been a noose around his neck because of the added responsibility and he felt that, you know, let, just let me do my job. Um, so he, he, he says that Villas Boas, you know, gives him the free role. Villas Boas sort of treats him with respect and maturity and like gives him the sort of the freedom and reign to do, you know, as he pleases in the attack, especially because he is the focal point of the game, especially with Tovan not here and having young, inexperienced players around him. Um, so it's been effusive, you know, praise, high praise in the moment. Um, and, you know, I'll say obviously reap those rewards by saying second in league one. So we'll see how long that goes for, um, when the, when the season resumes, um, and, you know, whether he can lead the club back into the Champions League. Yeah, I think he's definitely a player that because he's so, oh, I don't know what the word is, mag- magnetic in the way where Marseille, mm. if you look at them, I was I was talking to Thomas Wiseman actually about this a couple of weeks ago, and we were saying that Marseille on an individual level are so far away from I think a lot of other teams in Ligue 1. I don't think they've got a better squad mm. than Lille or Lyon or, or a couple other teams, yeah. but but. As the sum of their parts, as a unit, they're very good, but, but I think Pae is so, so pivotal to that. You know, players like Radonjic and Ansanson, the play, players that play off him, I think he has led to them having fantastic seasons this year. And he, he's just that type of magnetic player, someone who gets people going because he's so naturally talented. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Um, on both counts. Um, you know, he's, you know, he, Marseille do have, I think, the fifth or sixth you know, best playing squad in the game, but because he's so important, so central to to the attacking output that the team, I think, is somewhere between 30 and 40 percent for this season. His contribution um, that sort of helps them to to defy sort of the, the expectations and has launched them into second place. He's been a very central player, and I think it shows a high level of maturity of sort of lugging a club like Marseille, playing stuff like Marseille on his back, back to the Champions League at his age as well. Where there's still sort of no signs of slowing down. It's been it's been a very successful season for him, um, and, and a very individual season as well. Because back in 2018, you know, Tolvan was doing great. You know, the defense were doing great. And, you know, several 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 players were having fantastic seasons. Whereas this season, it really is largely um, Payet and Mondanda. Um So it's, it's, he's he's had a high level of responsibility and he's been really knocking out. Um, most of the critics this year, so it's 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 been a very very productive few months. I think almost in, in some ways because Pai has been a player criticised a lot, especially I mean I can only, in terms of putting him on the map for a British viewer when he went to Mar- when he went to um, 
West Ham, that tenure ended in, in flames and you know, it had a lot of criticism. And I think this time at Marseille, playing in a team that he is definitely the, 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 the star in the team, the jewel of the team, I think he's quite enjoyed almost having that chip on his shoulder that, you know, people are against him and this team around him probably aren't on the same level as him, but he's gonna go and just you know, score a goal and set this guy up and create 10 assists a season because he's just that type of player. I think he's enjoyed almost like the opportunity to go and just stun critics this year, do you know? Yeah, I think that's just something he's done all the time. I think he's got a very sort of weird relationship with sort of the media and critics, um, especially because he's obviously a player that's received his fair share of flack long before. Um, and you've got sort of, you can see in his trajectory if you look at his career history there's one fantastic season followed by one mild season and then one fantastic season and again another poor year so he really enjoys sort of shutting them up and, and performing at the highest quality and he says so you know in in the press conferences in the post matches where he goes look I've heard you know a lot of crap coming my way and you know I've just done my talking pitch so you can you know take that to the bank um, perhaps you know people would have preferred that he's more um, more consistent in that, you know, developing um, less of a, you know, me against them sort of mind frame and you know, being more of a collective. But I think he's he's relatively done that with with age. He's not the same sort of mid twenties tantrum, you know, tantrum prolific um, attacker. He's more of a captain, a team leader, a team player. You know, he is the what. Probably the second most important voice in the Marseille dressing room after, after Montanda. He's been, he's been taking in young players under, under his wings. He's, the fans absolutely love him and adore him. Um, you know, more so today than probably at 2017 at any point of his Marseille career. So it's just been, you know, a highly positive, uh, couple of years now, um, for him, particularly off the pitch. And just to finish up, where do you see his career going for the next few years? He's he's just turned 33, so he's definitely over the hill now. Do you see him ending his career at Marseille or or making another move, going to a money league? How how do you see the rest of his career going? Um, well, it's a tough question because of coronavirus. So um, his contract ends next year, um, and then I guess it will be a call um, depending on. You know, actually, I think his contract ends in 2022, but he was given a full year plus one. Essentially, there'll be conversations to be had next summer. Um, So I don't think he'll be sold before then. There's more pressing issues in the team because of FFP. But Florian Tolvan, whose contract ends next year and might have to be sold this year if he doesn't agree on a new contract. Um, And a lot of um, sort of salary discussions to be had. Now, Pai is the joint highest earn at Marseille and at 34 next year he's not going to get obviously the same contract as he was on um, and Marseille might feel that you know how at post 34 how much really can he offer um, to the club you know so I think there's a, there's a strong likelihood that he can go on a free transfer um, at the end of his contract next summer and if he does he'll either go to um, a lower lower league on team uh, if he so prefers, or you know, go for one last big payday in in the USA or in China, it could it could it could very well happen. I think there have been rumours uh, in the past, but that are proven unsubstantiated now. But 
you know, that is um, that could be in the horizon, or he could be as McCreary and pack it in altogether and retire very happily at the age of 34. That's also something that could happen and did happen in my probable manager 2020 save at the end of the first season. <laughs> um, so it's it's possible. I always thought if I was a footballer of any mediocre level, I'm not, by the way, I'm absolutely awful, but if I got any opportunity, I would just go instantly get a, to a money league. I'd do what Oscar did to put back when he was at Chelsea. Exactly, as soon yeah. as you hit like 23, boost over to Beijing, get like 300 grand a week, just absolutely live it up. I think I think it'd be and, great. Yeah, and these these places are not really bad places to live. I lived in Shanghai for two years, um, so I can I can tell you that for, for the Pirates of the game, Oscar is really living, really living in large. So, you know, if Pirate does do the same, the Big Ass is obviously a former Shanghai resident as well. Um, oh. That is something that could very well happen and could set him up for life. <laughs> getting the links, getting the connections. You can ask him where the best restaurants are and all yeah, that. <laughs> okay, Mo, thank you very much for that. Very, very interesting chatting. Dimitri Payet and his, his full career. He's, he's a very interesting player, absolutely. If anyone doesn't watch him you know, week in, week out, if whenever football starts back. I would implore you to go and watch whoever Marseille are playing because he's such uh, just a, an incredible player to watch in the flesh. You know, He's also great in terms of statistics, but just on the pitch, he is a, a very good player. If you're looking for more information on all things French football, go to getfootballnewsfrance.com and you can find articles and links to other podcasts and whatnot there. I would also suggest you go and look at an article that was released recently by Louis Goldsmith talking about another Marseille player, Maxime Lopez, a uh, uh, central mid who was, you know, touted for the top at one point. Someone thought he was really going to be the next big thing coming out of Marseille, but he's just hit 22 and, you know, he's, he's not really hitting those dizzying heights. A very interesting article on the player's career. So that's something I would ask you to go read after listening to this. Once again, thank you very much. I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Mo Ali, and we'll see you in the next one. Stay safe.